It's time. It's time. Time to get in the zone. Time to get in the zone. With the 49ers web zone. This is the No Huddle Podcast with Al, Zane, and Brian. What is up, everybody? You're listening to another episode of the 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast, a part of the Odyssey Network. I'm Brian Rennick, and I am joined, as always, by the legendary Al Sacco and the one and only Zane Nackby. And I don't, you guys aren't going to see this because you're listening, but right underneath my name, uh, I had a big day today, guys. My It says noted interviewer of Ronnie Lott, and uh, I got to I got to hang out virtually with with ronnie today uh this morning which i mean so cool legitimately like dream come true like and tell uh, tell the listeners about it brian because you you are working on it really you're producing big time producer brian reddick oh oh, yeah he is he is legendary producer he is uh producing (laughs) something really cool so why don't why don't you tell the listeners about it brian yeah so one of our uh one of our fellow writers at the web zone mark adams uh he wrote an article so he did he did our mailbag uh, articles all last season but prior to that in february of last year end of february he released an article which was incredible and if you haven't read it please go back onto the web zone and find it but he released an article uh, about roger craig's hall of fame case essentially uh but within that article he got quotes from montana rice lot brent jones uh steve young eddie DeBartolo. George Seifert, like just the legends, the legends of, of 49ers history uh, about Roger Craig, his impact on that team, his impact on the game, and essentially, you know, the reasons why he should be in the Hall of Fame. And so uh, I would say a couple months ago, uh, Mark approached me and said, hey, I'm thinking about turning this into a podcast series. And I was like, man, if you do that, I would love to help you with that. I would love to produce that. And so that's what he's doing. He's going back through um, and he's he's getting trying his best to, again, get these legends. But also, you know, Mayoko and Barrows and Larry Kruger and, you know, even the legends of, of 49ers media where he's 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 getting them on. And uh, we're going to put out, uh, I think, a four part series towards the end of July. Uh, on the case for Roger Craig. And the reason that we're, we're aiming towards the end of July is because uh, that is right around the time that the uh, senior committee will be voting on uh, more members of the Hall of Fame. And, and we are hoping against hope that at, at some point this injustice, if you will, will be righted and Roger Craig will be where he rightfully belongs, which is in the Hall of Fame. Usually Brian has to stare at me and Zane when he does stream yard and today he got, he got to stare at Ronnie Blatt. So that's, that's, I did. Uh, <laughs> I got to see Ronnie. It was awesome. It was so that's cool. It's a good change of pace, man. It's a good change of pace from looking at us. All right, you guys. Was. So here we are on the brink of, it's kind of like Christmas Eve free agency, right? The draft kind of feels like Christmas time almost if you're an NFL fan. We're on the brink of free agency. The tampering window starts recording this on a Thursday. The tampering window opens up on Monday the 13th. That would, I love that's what they call it. Deals get agreed to. <laughs> the legal um, tampering. The legal tampering window. Uh, but before we get into that, guys, the Niners got an awful lot of compensatory draft picks today. Mm-hmm. They, they maxed they, it out. They did. Yeah. Seven, seven comp picks. And this is where they make their bread and butter, right? The later rounds of drafting. I, I posted a tweet earlier this week that kind of talked about 
some of the first round misses that they've had and, and the conversion rate for them, which has basically been around 50% ish since Kyle has been uh, here and John Lynch has been GM and Adam Peters has been here as well, but they don't make their money in the first round. They make their money in rounds specifically three through five and specifically in round five. Now you have a situation like Brock Purdy where last pick of the draft, the great story, but look, Kittle was a fifth round pick. You had several other guys that were, that were found in later rounds. And this is where they make, Dre Greenlaw, and this is where they make their money, really, this this regime. And I, it's funny because they throw their first-round picks away for Trey. It's like, man, F them picks. Nobody cares about that, right? Nobody cares about those first-round picks because they only hit on half of them anyways. But I think that the, the value that they bring is being able to find gems in the middle to late rounds. And when you have a team that's ready to win a championship, which is the, what this roster is right now, you're going to be relying on those middle to late rounds to fill out the depth on your team and, and possibly come in and start a game or two or be significant rotational pieces. So the fact that they've got seven extra picks now, and look, they're not going to use all those picks. We're going to see a significant amount of movement with them with either trading those for future picks or trading up in rounds to be able to get more capital because they're not, they're not that far away, right? They're a guy basically away from a championship and that guy is probably a quarterback. I jokingly tweeted before this to Brian. I was like, you know, they just package all that together, the seven comp picks and everything in their draft, package it all together and just trade it off for Lamar Jackson, right? Just just my Ditka this whole thing, right, Brian? <laughs> yeah, I said settle down there, Ditka. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? If, if, oh, I was going to say, say real Brian, quick, I want to I want to piggyback on Zane because he I, I looked it up, the fifth-round picks, right, in this regime. Here are the fifth-round picks. Last year, Sam Womack. The year before, Jalen Moore, Diamador Lenore. Talanoa Hufanga, all three of those guys, fifth round, 2021. 2020, fifth round, Colton McKivitz, a likely possible right tackle starter. Uh, 2019, fifth round, Dre Greenlaw. 2018, fifth round, DJ Reed, who is not a solid player for them, but is a solid player in the NFL, plays for the Jets now. Very good. And then in 2017, uh, George Kittle and Trent Taylor, and then DJ Jones was sixth round, but I was looking at fifth, but... Yeah, I mean, and that's that is that is incredible. It's just incredible, yeah. exceptional drafting, specifically in that round. It's outstanding. And so, yeah, I mean, do the 49ers have first or second round picks? No. Do they have a third round pick that isn't a compensatory pick? No. But they have 10 draft picks this year, 10 of them, even after that Christian McCaffrey trade, because they maxed out the comp pick formula which says you can get four comp picks for players. You can get three comp picks for coaches. And they did just that. Did they have 10 so or 11? Out, they have 11, I believe. They had four. 11. They got Sorry, yeah, 11. 11. So, yeah. so real quick, Al. So these, these, are the, these are the picks here. They've got – so these are all the comp picks that they've received today. So they've got 99, 101, 102, 173, 216, 253, 250, and 255. Okay. Um, so you've got, I mean, you've got three, three picks in the top 100 essentially, right. Without, without doing anything. And this draft, like we've seen how guys slide. We've seen how guys, you can find gems in later rounds as the Niners have done. Right. So the more cracks that the candidate can have in later rounds, the better it is for them. And on top of that, these are typically the lower salary numbers too, right? They're not first round, first or second round mm -hmm. picks. They're, they're easier on the cap as well. So the more of these guys that you have that can contribute, like all the guys that you just mentioned, Brian, 
it's huge. It's huge for the team because the cap hit is even more minimal at that point. By the way, that uh, that pick that they used to select Brock Purdy, that was a seventh round comp pick that they got when CJ Beathard signed with the Jaguars. There you go. So thank you, CJ, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Overall, so they have three thirds, three fifths, the sixth, and four sevenths is what they're looking at. And they will probably yep. do some maneuvering, you would think. And we'll get into that. Believe me, we got a lot of time to talk about the draft. So we will definitely hit that up at length. But free agency, man. It's around the corner, and this is, to me, a really sort of strange free agency period for the Niners. I think that for a couple reasons. One, I'm waiting for these restructures to start happening because they're going to have to do that for cap space. We talked about maybe Trent Williams, Eric Armstead, uh, maybe Traverius Ward, maybe Christian McCaffrey. There's there's a lot of people that they could look to do that. Kittle and Warner as well. Kittle and Warner, yeah. There's list goes on and on of guys that can restructure to free up some space. The other thing is I think there may be a plan A and a plan B here depending on what we find out Friday. So we're going to report this on a Thursday about Brock Purdy's surgery. So obviously if this comes out where they go in and he's going to be out for longer than they had anticipated or out into the season, plans may change specifically at the quarterback position, but we'll see on that. But I also think it's sort of a weird, a weird free agency period because they have a lot of guys who are free agents and people are not talking about this. I don't feel like, nationally or anywhere that oh yeah the Niners are loaded they have a lot of guys that are free agents I'm going to run through the list defensively Jimmy Ward Charles and Menahue Samson Ibukam Manuel Mosley Aziz Alshair Hassan Ridgeway Kerry Hyder Mo Hurst Sean Gibson Jordan Willis Jason Brett Tavares Moore notable defensive guys offensive McGlinchey obviously Garoppolo he won't be back uh, we'll throw Robbie Gold in there Dan Brunskill, Tyler Croft, Russ Dwelly, Jake Brendel, and the restricted guys are Kevin Givens, Colton McKivitz, and Flanagan Falls. They have a lot of decisions to make, a lot, on guys who put our starters and have played a gigantic role. Right now, you don't have a safety. Right now, you have no defensive line depth, really. Right now, you're losing two essential. I know Burford and Brunskill went on and off, but you're essentially losing two starters on, on the offensive line, and we'll talk about how many, who we think they may bring back. But there are gigantic, no, actually three starters when you got McGlinchey. So yeah. there are gigantic holes right now that they have to address. And they may not be huge signings, but they may be of the smaller variety to get some of these guys back or fill the holes. But it's a gigantic free agency period for them. Yeah, I I agree with you, Al. I, it's weird that we haven't heard about restructures yet because, again, legal tampering starts, starts Monday. And... Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't have to have the cap space until they actually sign the players, but obviously, you know, you don't want to go into the, that window, that window of Monday to Wednesday, not knowing whether or not this player that you're contacting, you can even afford to sign. And so that is, that is an interesting, uh, but, but I do think no, uh, news is going to come out soon about, about these restructures, Same. but it, it, it does, it, it does feel like, they signed a lot of those names that you rattled off. A lot of those guys were here this year on one-year deals anyway. So it, it never felt like a lot. It didn't feel like a lot of those guys were long-term players that they anticipated having anyway. Um, and so I think a lot of it, you're right. A lot of it are depth pieces. There are some starters in there. And and the to me, the biggest hole, right? The The three biggest holes, if you will, are safety because you literally don't have a player there right now. Right. Um, you've got Quantrez Knight, who I know they're high on, 
but was on the practice squad all of last year. And then you've got Hufunga, but Hufunga doesn't play that that free safety role, right? And they, they're kind of interchangeable there in terms of those safety positions. But Hufunga is best closer to the line of scrimmage, so you need somebody that can cover the back end. And then right tackle and center. And I would argue that right tackle and center are probably bigger needs than safety. I This defense is going to be good. It just is. It's going to be good. And so I think the I think that the majority of what they have to put resources that they need to use are on that offensive line. And I don't know that that means that you go out and you re-sign McGlinchey or you sign Juwan Taylor, right, who are the two biggest names. But there are some names out there that are intriguing. But to me personally, that's the area that I think they need to sink the most into. Are they going to? Hard to know. They don't. It, to me, it seems like Kyle Shanahan believes that you don't have to sink a lot in there outside of like a Trent Williams, who, you know, is arguably the best player in the NFL. But uh, I'm just I'm a little worried. I'm a little worried about the offensive line. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I'm kind of the same sort of ilk, I guess. I'm I'm concerned about the offensive line. But here's here's the thing, though. Kyle's been able to make it work with a, a rotating sort of revolving door at offensive line. We had Spencer Burford. Jake Brendel and Aaron Banks as new starters along the line this year. And they were, they held their own. They were, were they perfect? No, but they, they held their own. They're able to hold it down for, for the majority of the season. And it wasn't as big of a problem as we thought it would be. So I think that they have a decision to make with regards to spending on an offensive lineman versus just drafting one and developing, which is something that they've proven that they can do with either late round, late round draft picks or undrafted free agents. So I think that you'll probably see a couple of, of, offensive line picks in the draft um, in the middle rounds to be able to at least get some depth to address this regarding McGlinchey. So I don't know if they're going to pay him to stay. I don't know if that's somebody that, that they feel like they can afford. I doubt it, especially when you can bring back McKivitz on a, on a much lesser deal. Al, you mentioned McKivitz was a free agent as well, right? So uh, restricted, I, could, restricted. Uh, yeah. So you're going to be able to, you're going to be able to bring him back on a, on a much lesser deal or, if you sign into an offer sheet, then you get you get a pick if he if he leaves. So, really, what it comes down to is, I believe I think they believe in McKivitz. He's had starting experience. He knows the offense. And when it comes down to it, we talked about this last show as well. Familiarity with the offensive scheme is, is it's huge for Kyle, and he's going to want guys that are familiar with the scheme. So, I think McGlinchey walks. Brendel, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But again, that's been a revolving door at center. They've been been able to work make work, and I think McKivitz takes over at right tackle. You've got Burford, who was already platooning with Daniel Brunskill, who would it would be sad to see him go because he is Aaron Donald's daddy. But that would be sad <laughs> twice a year to see him. Not. But I think that they they've got something there as well. So it's it's not as bad as as really if we dig into it as we think. But I just think that like the amount of turnover that they have yearly on that on that position group, it it lends to the theory that they can plug and play not anybody but a, a competent person in there and still be able to get really good results. Well, it's going to be interesting to, to see what, they, what they're going to do with that, because McGlinchey's gone. If you look at yeah. any free agent list, McGlinchey's one of the top five or six guys out there. He's going to get a gigantic payday on the open market. Mm-hmm. He's, he's gone. There's, there's no way he's coming back. And then, yeah, you have your two guards. You have Trent Williams. and The center position is huge in Kyle Shanahan's offense. I do think they're going to probably bring, bring Rendell back on a short-term deal. I kind of feel like that makes sense for both sides. So you could see that. But beyond that, if if they are or they do have a lot of faith in McKivitz, maybe you see him sign 
not a super long-term deal, but maybe a three-year type thing or something like that where they bring him back. And I do think, I do think you're probably on the right track, Jake or um, Zane, where they have the answers in-house, they think, for the most part. You're probably on the right track there. But, Brian, you've brought up a lot of good points where, listen, we've seen quarterbacks get hurt. You're losing Mike McGlinchey. You need to go out and, and get a good tackle, right? That There's that school of thought, too. And I know you had your eyes on some guys. They're not – obviously, they're not going to get an Orlando Brown. No. Probably not a Luai. You know, somebody like that, obviously. They're not going to get the big-name guys to move over to right tackle or whatever. Um, you had a couple guys I know that you liked, Brian, or one in particular mm-hmm. that you mentioned. That I actually looked up today because I'm, I'm not going to pretend I know anything about Caleb McGarry. I don't yeah. at all. Mm-hmm. But I did see something. I wanted to ask you about this today because I looked him up yeah. and I saw on ESPN he had – the 68% um, run blocking win rate, which was 61 out of 64 tackles. So I don't know that he would be someone the Niners would want for that, but I know that you like him and I wanted to hear sort hey, of why. Guys, guys start really quick. Yeah. So just breaking right now, uh, the 49ers assigned, signed Colton McKivis to a two year extension through 2024. So there you go. There you go. There's probably your right tackle. Okay. Okay. So you're off okay. the hook, Brian, if you want to answer that question. All right. <laughs> So, uh, the, well, with McGee, there were two, there were two that I thought again would be within the range of what they'd be comfortable paying. One was McGarry, although that might be a little bit high. Basically, McGarry, the the reason, the reason I thought that he could be a target was more price point than it was a great fit. Mm. I know he's a great run blocker. That is kind of very much like McGlinchey. Um, is he? Because he had a really bad win. Is it just the year? I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't know how they calculate some of those things. And yeah. So it's not it, to me. To me, if anybody, if if Arthur Smith trusts you to to you know to to block in his in his running scheme, I think you're fine, right? Because he runs a very similar running scheme to Kyle Shanahan. Um, the other one is Andre Dillard, who is going to be a free agent from the Eagles. He was essentially their swing tackle. Uh, cause they had Lane Johnson on the right. And then they, they drafted Dillard in the first round as their left tackle of the future when they still had Jason Peters and then Peters retired and then they had Dillard. And then just this, the, the guy they have there now, I think it's like, it's Jordan Maialata or something like that was a very, very much a, um, a, a project of theirs. He was like this six, seven rugby player from, I'm, I'm not sure where. Uh, and they brought him in and then he developed they in their eyes better than Dillard did. But Dillard was an incredibly athletic tackle coming out of Washington state. And I think he would be a good fit in a zone run scheme like this. And so that is another name that I thought they could pursue, but if they're extending McKivitz, I mean, you have to have a swing tackle. So that doesn't McKivitz doesn't mean that they're just plugging him in at right tackle. True. You got to have a swing tackle. And they've shown that they trust McKivitz, it seems like, more than Jalen Moore. And so perhaps that's what you're looking at, but they still have an eye on someone else. It's hard to know. Um, but but yeah, I, I I don't know. I'm just, McKivitz hasn't played on the right side. He didn't play on the right side at West Virginia. He hasn't played on the on the right side with San Francisco. Doesn't mean that he can't, but he hasn't. So you know, uh, but uh, Dillard wasn't a, he was a left tackle, right? And then he became a swing tackle. McGarry played right tackle for, uh, for the Falcons. So there is that, that familiarity there, but yeah, it's, it, it just, it, they have developed enough trust 
as a coaching staff to say if they think that this player they can plug in and and that player will succeed you, you got to give them the benefit of the doubt but just as a fan it it is a little bit scary just because of what we went through this past season with the four quarterbacks yeah it's an unknown